0: Once more, it is what's involved and a special guest. And I've been looking forward to uh, having a chat to uh, this particular gentleman. Who is he? His name is Blake Dyson. Hello, Blake. How are you doing? Hi, David. I'm super. Thanks so much for this opportunity. It's, it's fantastic. And I mean, I, I got hold of you via, I think, it was, was it Sally, that, uh, Sally Acton that, that introduced us? And uh, immediately that I, I sort of saw what you do and how you do, I was like, Yep, no, definitely need to have a chat, uh, need to have a chat to to Blake. So before we dive into to what you do, let's go right back to the very beginning. Tell me a bit about Blake. I mean, give me some of your background, some of your history and, and how you ended up where you are today. Well,
1: firstly, yes, I'm grateful that Sally introduced us and her projects are super exciting. So I can't wait for all of that to to come to life. But who am I? Well, I am a young, proud South African. I'm currently 33. And um, I was born in Cape Town and my dad worked for one of the big mining companies. And so every couple of years we moved around the country. Um, So I've lived, I think, in five provinces. I went to seven schools um, and I matriculated again back in Cape Town. So I had quite an interesting upbringing. And I, I think because I was always an outcast or on the outside of everything, like I'd always be the new kid in school. And then I'd eventually be scared to have real friends or friends forever because I knew we'd be moving again. Like I kind of just saw things differently and engaged differently. And then, and then I left school and. I didn't really have the privilege of studying and I didn't know what I wanted to study. So the concept of taking out a long-term loan to pay for something that I didn't really know what it was, didn't make sense to me. So I started working and this is where the entrepreneur me came in is to survive. So started little businesses that failed and worked hard and, and eventually found myself working yeah, for a couple of companies, some good, some bad, and built up a A network of as a sales rep as you do of a lot of contacts in the business world and indirectly through this i got this passion for making a difference um like contributing so supporting charities and i I ended up using my sports as this and that's kind of how i ended up where i am now and i think the big pivoting point was in 2010 i I just started trail running i didn't run very far and I, I think I'd run about 25K as the furthest in a race. And then I got a phone call from a professional athlete saying that she'd seen me in some trail runs. Um, would I like to join them on a, a fundraiser for girl fighting breast cancer? So I joined, I, I volunteered immediately. And a few days later, she sent an email saying it's a 100 miler unassisted trail run. And I was like, well, what's a 100 miler? And that's when I found out that I'd signed up to run 160Ks kind of unassisted with a bunch of amazing athletes. So I, didn't, I, I kind of tried to back up, but didn't back out. And she just said, join and run as far as you can and pull out when you want. But um, yeah, I got there. That was in like November. And in the January of 2011, I joined these 44 crazy runners. We called it the boob run. The lady that was fighting cancer was Letty Hayes from Durban. Yeah, it was the most insane experience of my life. Like running with these people that just had a passion to help and support someone. And sadly, I got injured and had to pull out and I became a little bit depressed afterwards. And it was during this depression that um, Letty Hayes was on her deathbed, basically fighting cancer. And she told us or left this incredible message. She said, our greatest gift in life is our health, vitality and mobility. And like right then, then I was like, sheep is young, yeah, like grumpy that I've lost my mobility for a little bit. And, and I realized how, how much of a gift this was. And so I basically quit nearly everything I did and committed my life while I've got health, vitality and mobility to contributing to the world in a better way. And at first it was through using sport to raise money for charities. And then I realized that my. By just me raising money for charities, I can only support so many, and maybe I need to start investing in technology or better systems that we can support hundreds or thousands of charities and and millions of people. And that's really where it all
0: started. That is unbelievable, and and what a story! Look, I mean, I, I do. I'll be the first one to tell you. I think you're nuts for running that far. If I think about a trail, I think about a leisurely meander through the African bush, not running 160 Ks, <laughs> goodness me, that is that is nuts. Uh, so is that your, 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 your sort of primary focus is staying fit and healthy, but to give back to our country, 100%. to people? 100%. It's definitely
1: evolved at the beginning, like when I was a bit younger, it was like, fit and pushing my boundaries, like how far can I run? How far can I cycle? So I did like some amazing initiatives. I joined the Unagwaja Challenge, which is like this cycle of hope from Cape Town to Durban, and um, 1,700 Ks, and then the next day running the Comrades Ultra Marathon. And the whole thing was to raise money for charities, but also to stop over in these communities and just share this incredible story of hope and dedication and what you can achieve as a group believes in something. And then I've I've tried running from different points and different mountains over hundred Ks and all four different charities. And, and at that stage, maybe it might've been a bit about my ego, a bit about being young and just pushing those boundaries. But like now, now it's changed to like, to me, it's about more about wellness, having a healthy body. I want to know that any day at any time, I'm able to be fit enough to explore and take part in activities that can touch lives and inspire others. But also the wellness is about like my mental wellness and the wellness of my environment, nature around me, my community and the people around me. As I, I suppose, mature and, and learn, I yeah, I, it's really about wellness and, and a greater impact, not just people, but also our planet.
0: You know what the amazing part is, and, and I'm now sitting on what, I think I've done about 136 interviews since I've, I've started the oh, podcast wow. and, the, and the, the radio show. And the trend that I've seen happening, and it's been accelerated, it's, it's one of the positives that has come out to my mind, come out from uh, this COVID pandemic, is that there is this shift, this, this almost this shift in consciousness where people are trying to become more human. We, we spoke about Sally Acton earlier on and, and yeah. her, her whole project of Learn to Be a Better Human. Um, but it's it's definitely something that's coming to the fore. Another another friend of mine, and I'm sure in, 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 in your line of, of charitable work you would have heard of him, is the good things guy, Brent Linderke. Yes. When, when Brent started out, people were poo-pooing him and laughing. In fact, I was one of the first people to actually interview him uh, on radio. And everybody, that was right then when the, the neck nominations were, were a thing and people were dying from alcohol poisoning and all sorts of things. And he started up the Random Acts of Kindness. And since then, there's just been this groundswell of people kind of, I don't know, waking up. Are we alive? Can we say waking up? I think we can. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's amazing to see. And, and more and more, I, I, I'm involved um, just on the outskirts with the Singularity U uh, Summit that's happening uh. this, this, this week. And I chatted to one of the delegates or one of the speakers there, Mimi Nicton. And her whole approach to everything is empathy, you know, and I'm thinking empathy in the business world. And, and you know, yeah. she's, she's actually proven that you can turn companies around by becoming a more empathetic leader. So it's, it's brilliant the things that are, that are happening around us, and I'm hoping that we can contribute in some small way with, with the show that I do as well. But what interested me, Blake, was, was two main things, because I know, you know, I think you and I could talk for hours about – all sorts of things, because we both have the kind of minds that uh, run wild and free. I, I, heard, I heard somebody <laughs> yeah. a little while ago, actually, they said that people like me, and dare I say people like you as well, are what we would call fringe dwellers. You know, we're we kind of the, the hippie throwbacks that, that live on the edges and think about all the good and wonderful things that could happen. in So uh, I, don't mind, I don't mind being called that. I really don't. Before we, well, let's we're going to dive more into what you do when we come back because it's absolutely fascinating. My special guest uh, is Blake Dyson. This is What's Involved. We will be back in just a bit, and we're back with my special guest, Blake Dyson. So, Blake, one of the things I mean, you you mentioned your, your, you know you're your sort of running and and doing these these this trail running. So let's there before I get into what I think is probably going to be the biggie of our discussion. So let's find out, you, you found something called Love Our Trails. So let's yeah. figure out what that's all about. Well, so, so Love Our Trails really
1: started because I'm this outdoor enthusiast, someone who loves trail running, mountain biking, just being in nature and exploring. And over the part of, like, this started in 2010, so 10 years ago, but about six years ago, I started seeing this massive increase in, in people taking part in outdoor activities. I remember when I took part in races, I would often be like almost on a podium and not because I'm fast, but just because there are only like 50 people at the start of a race. And now we get to races. I went to one this, or cycle pass on this weekend and it's like 500 people. And this is during like a COVID pandemic, like before COVID, they had a thousand or more. So, so it's definitely changed. But the challenge with this is that more and more people are going outdoors and, and they're running and walking on trails that potentially weren't designed for that many people. But also behaving in a way that maybe isn't in the best interest of that trail, either by littering, graffiting, creating their own trails, going off trails. And so I started noticing a massive impact on my favorite trails. And it happened specifically on a day when I took my best friend from Joburg. He had visited me in Cape Town. Took him up my favorite trail, Cliff Corner Ridge um, in Cape Town. And it was one of those rare days. No wind, super hot and clear, clear skies. And I remember just bragging to him like how lucky I am to basically run from my house up the mountain and just have this beauty. And then we decided we're going to be like... Good friends catching up and we need to go get a beer down in town. So we rushed down the quickest route we could, which happened to be Cliff Gorge, the very popular trail. And I should have known better. It was obviously the most beautiful day and uh, mid-summer. And it was packed with tourists and local people hiking up. And as we made our way through these people, we got to this rock halfway down and um, had to get through the people. And I looked down and I just saw litter and fruit peels and leftover food and graffiti all over this rock. And and it just hit me. I was so embarrassed. I was like, what the hell have we done? What have we done to nature? What have we done to this beauty? And then as I kept walking past that, I couldn't unsee all the litter. I realized the litter is there. It's everywhere. By the time I got to the bottom, I was like, what am I going to do? I started emailing people, um, land managers and uh, environmental organizations, just to see who's cleaning up, what are we doing? And and I got very little feedback. And so I decided to host a cleanup with my trail running friends and we did. And we had over a hundred people join the first cleanup of which we picked up, uh, I think it was just over 50 bags, full black bags of litter on a 4K trail. And the feedback from that was incredible. People sharing the what they learned, people showing their anger to it. Like it was just crazy. And I had I ended up being in quite a few meetings Um, afterwards or invited to a few meetings. And I quickly realized that that this isn't a once off and um, that the litter's not gonna stop. And the only way to fix this is through education. And so I then joined like global organizations, was very lucky to travel overseas to do some work with learning about this. And then I bought this environmental organization called Love Our Trails, which our main aim is that we wanna get people to engage with nature. So we believe we can only protect um, nature or natural environment by creating value to it, and value is created by experience, so we want people to experience nature and value it, but we while they 're experiencing it, we want them to experience it in a way that protects nature and protects the environments, other trail users as well so we 've built a trail ethics um, document that 's on our website, we host events, we do talks, we go on radio shows, and we just try and build this underlying culture and stewardship of what it means to protect our environment and to me i use the word trails mainly because trails are our paths that connect us to the environment connect us to other people connect us to communities and also the trails we leave behind us and we have a we have an opportunity to leave a positive trail and and that's really what it's about and it's been a fun five going on six year journey and we've had some amazing successes. And currently, I think we measure our litter picking up and on just two trails that we do regular big cleanups, which cover just short of 10 kilometers in total. And I think out of 18 cleanups, we've picked up just over two tons of litter. So it just shows you like the, the scale of, of what's actually happening on these trails.
0: That's insane because you would think that people that went out into nature to enjoy nature would would be a bit more conscious about stuff like that. Clearly they're not.
1: Well, I think like, so a lot of it's very interesting. So a lot of it, like, and I've done a lot of thinking and research and questions is like, it's like people often, like the first time you go on like this trail, you don't realize that other people there walk this trail every week or that people have been walking this trail for 130 years before you. Like, at that moment, you're the only person conquering this trail and and you conquered it and something in us and it's gone on for history wants to leave our mark. So we'll write our name on a rock or we'll pile rocks on top and take a picture. Like, And and at that time, we're not really being, we're not make like in our minds, we're not doing any damage, but we, we're very unconscious to everything else around us. And then from the litter side, the world faces a litter problem. And specifically in South Africa, we have like, highly privileged kids that have never had to take rubbish out in their life and have no idea how the waste system works. They don't know what's recyclable, what's biodegradable, what's... And, and then we have people on the other spectrum which grow up in these communities where government hasn't provided a waste system. So, so they only know certain things. And, and so I, I like to believe the best in people and I don't think people litter intentionally to litter. I think they litter just from a lack of real understanding. And you chatter about empathy and that. And part of the work we do is, like, how do we build empathy for, for our trails, for our environment? Like, once we can feel what, what, that, what the importance of that environment is and what the environment feels, like, how that ecosystem works, then we'll start treating it completely differently.
0: That makes sense because I suppose it is. It's, it's an education process. Now, Blake, if if people are interested, I mean, people – fortunately the way that the show is aired it's both podcast and on radio so we get people from all over the country and and worldwide in fact uh that actually listen to the show what where would we go if we're keen on this kind of thing or keen on connecting and finding out finding like-minded people is there a website yes 100 so so there's different
1: for different communities, different ways to get involved. Firstly, everything you can go to the Love Our Trails website and you can see all the, everything there. We have our events on there. We have um, our ethics on there that you can download. And, that, and then our social media is really active, mainly Facebook and Instagram, which is also just Love Our Trails. And that, but then for um, other groups like uh, conservation parks, private land and um, school groups, they're welcome to go on the website and just contact me um, directly. And I kind of do free consulting on planning with them. So for instance, we're working with school groups now on making hiking and circular economy and um, environmental education part of the education system. And we've had amazing successes from it. Um, And then also with landowners about uh, working with them on introducing them to the right people to relook at the way we build trails that builds inclusion, access, a sustainability to our environment rather than just a recreational trail and um, so Fantastic. people can contact me and, and ask for help and I'm very open to it.
0: All right now what is the what is the website address? Uh, LoveOurTrails.com. LoveOurTrails, all one word.com. LoveOurTrails.com. Fantastic my special guest Blake Dyson will be back with more and uh, I believe something that's absolutely fascinating. We'll tell you about that when I come back. This is what's involved. And we're back on what's involved with my special guest, Blake Dyson. Before the break, I promised that Hmm. we're going to talk about something which I think is absolutely fascinating. And I I haven't entirely gotten my head around it yet, but you're going to help me with that. And that's something that that you're a co-founder of, and it's called Brownie Points. Now, I know that in, in the old days that was... You know, oh, if you do something good, you're scoring some brownie points. So, is 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 yeah. there a tie-in? <laughs> That's exactly it. Um, brownie points is such a South
1: African term, and um, and we are South African company. Yeah, that the name seems right, and it's really about um, empowering good deeds, and and brownie points is a way of recognising it. So it does really tie in. But it all started um, my. My co-founder and the CEO, uh, Pascal, she, she founded the business and the name originally about, I think it's now going on seven years ago, maybe in a bit more. And I was working in a different space and doing a lot of, re- in the MPO space um, and doing a lot of research on bringing technology into the country to, to make it easier for people to find MPOs, but also to hold them more accountable, to understand where our money goes, what they need and that. I was very narrow-minded at the time, but I'd, I'd done quite a bit of research. And eventually Pascal and I uh, partnered and we, about, I think it's now four years, maybe a bit more. No, about four years. We, we officially launched the, or it was the third launch, but we officially launched Brownie Points as we know it today. And what it is, it's really a dashboard. It's a website that connects people and companies to good deeds, to MPOs and uh, social impact um activities that are happening where we can help and and not just financially but either through skilled volunteering unskilled volunteering product donation or even just sharing a sort of message like a pledge with your with your network and so uh, the more we've learned about this the more the more amazing it's been because we've we've also realized like well one is that there's 160 000 mpos in south africa um, of which they employ a large number, they estimate close on the same number of people as our corporate sector. So this, this market is vital to the success of this country. And that excludes the millions of people that, and the conservation and everything else that this industry or this sector actually supports. So, so for us, the foundation is, is understanding the importance of that and how do we, how do we connect people to it and And make it, bring it close to home once you realize that there are so many MPOs we are like within five kilometers of where anyone lives, there must be a handful of MPOs that you can support, and every single person has some form of privilege, be it access to contacts, be it money, be it a product, be a time, whatever that small little privileges we have there 's an MPO within your reach that could probably do with a little bit of help. And so and so that's really what we do. So and then we've grown that now into for businesses as well, where we have a dashboard for businesses. So we have partners like Rand Merchant Bank or ShopRite Group. And um, what we do is like ShopRite Group, I think, have 160,000 staff and we're able to allow them to load all their staff on it who are based around the country and they can set targets and goals and track all their staff volunteering and giving, as well as their own CSI initiative. So it automates the Section 18A um, data, their BE staff, their um, auditing and that, and it saves them loads of time. But it also gives all those MPOs around the country access to be able to connect with corporates. And so this is really what we're doing. We're kind of like this little middleman hub that's just connecting good people and good businesses with the grassroots level spaces that need that love and help.
0: See, this is, and I've, I've said this before on the show, this is one of those ideas when you hear it and you see that it's being put into action. You want to slap yourself upside the head and go, why didn't I think of it? Because it's, it's, <laughs> it's essentially a simple solution, but such an elegant solution. Like, 100 so, so
1: percent is simple from the outside the technology to build it has taken us about seven years Um, because of how and why we weren't able to bring technology from overseas here yeah, to do it is because of how challenging and different south african african uh, needs are and how we measure things and so yeah so it's been It's been interesting. And then obviously, like you're talking earlier about like with COVID now and how people are becoming more conscious and that, like the way we measure things has had to change by the week and how intrinsic and extrinsic values are changing. Like people used to do good deeds to get their Section 18A certificate or their BE points. And now staff and companies are saying, I will only work for a company that's contributing to my community. And so, like so now companies are forced to show this information. It needs to be organic and it needs to be real. So it's all changed and, and trying to stay up to date with that. So it started as a simple idea and it's become very technical, but the measurables are beautiful and rewarding.
0: I can only imagine as you were talking about this, the, the technical side of it. But but you know, for the end user, we we sort of see the the simplicity and elegance of the idea. But just to just to make it a little more clear about what you guys do, give me an example of, of you know, somebody would, would somebody that runs an NPO, maybe it's a soup kitchen, for example, would they then post on this platform? Uh, how, how does it work? OK, so we have so I'm going to give you a couple
1: of examples. But I'll first share what the different users are. So we have an NPO, which is a user. So they would, for instance, I help run a, an orphanage called Malachi Place of Safety. And so Audrey runs Malachi or owns Malachi Place of Safety, would say, We really need nappies or we really need baby food and that. So she'd, she'd just go on, like you make a Facebook event, she'd say, Put her name in, load us off, and then say, Malachi Place of Safety, looking for food, donation this date, drop off time these times, and a quick brief and that. And then it goes on and then she can share it on social media, on email, on WhatsApp, however she wishes to share it. What that dashboard then allows her to do is that it helps her track who's interested. And in the background, what we do is say now, David, you say, oh, man, this is interesting. I definitely am happy to contribute a bag of nappies. You, you can click on it and say, I, I commit to giving a bag of nappies. Uh, you will get a, a message immediately. You'll also get a message immediately. And when you need to deliver, you'll get an automated reminder message. So what we've done is we've understood that there's a massive dropout of people not delivering on their promises. And part of this is because they forget that life is busy. But also they, they feel anxious or they don't understand what their contribution is contributing to because there's no target or measurable. And so because all of this is transparent and you can see how it's, how it's rolling out and what the needs are, uh, we see a much bigger engagement and delivery. So from the MPO, Audrey would, or Malachi Place of Safety, would set that target of 10 bags of nappies and David's committed one. And then David shares this on his social media or to his friends who will then further potentially commit and you'll, you'll see this number organically grow. So that's the MPO side and this can happen for soup kitchens looking for food or a night shelter looking for blanket donations or even someone looking for uh, money donations. We've also partnered with OZO who we have an agreement with that there's no fees attached to any donations. So no, no bank charges or anything. So every single cent goes directly to those MPOs, which is amazing. I think it's the only platform in the country that does that. And then from... From a user side, so say now, David, you're a user and you are walking down the road and you're like, oh, there's litter, yeah, um, we should pick it up. You can literally just create this campaign saying, I'd love my community to join me on a litter cleanup in the river, yeah. And you say, Pretoria River Cleanup as your name. You give a date, time, and that. And you can say, we're looking for 25 volunteers to help us on the day. And then in that brief, you can say what they must bring and where they must meet. And then everyone that signs up gets sent a reminder on the day of it. At the end, you can send, uh, it sends another check in reminder saying, what was your experience? Send us pictures. And you can start collating that information so that you can do a thank you post. You can thank them, whatever you need to do, or you can share it with the newspaper. And um, so as a user, you don't have to be a registered MPO. You can just create good causes and build your own community to make it, make impact. And then from a school or community like church side is schools are now able to allow their kids to take part in initiatives and community while having a watchful eye on. So kids can either say, I want to come and sell cupcakes at school and all that money is going to this charity and they can just create that on the platform and it's trackable and people can basically purchase it through the platform. But it allows a teacher or headmaster to overlook this and make sure that the kids are safe that the money or the donations are going to it is. And that falls in line with what, what that school community believes in. Obviously, we don't, some schools would, wouldn't want their kids to get involved in political things or whatever they are. So, so they can manage that. And then from the corporate side, and this is where the mass impact happens, is now companies are not only able to uh, uh, manage their donations to their flagship MPOs, which they give money to, but now they can even um, allow their staff to create their own campaigns, support their own community staff, and, that, and set targets. So, for instance, let's take Corbicom, which is a small, uh, smallish business in Cape Town that recently did a Mandela Day with us. And so they are like, okay, we want our staff to take part in things. They then allow, they set, I think, five things. It was like support a soup kitchen, uh, collect blankets for the night Haven and a couple of others. And then they allowed their staff to create their own causes. So say now there's an individual that already looks after a soccer club or soccer team, underprivileged soccer team, and they're looking for socks. They could create their own cause and do their own fundraiser, but allowed the company to say, we want to do this. We're offering everyone time of work for these things. We can measure it and we're willing to match fund or set rewards for certain things. So if the company, if the staff raised 4,000 Rand for the socks, the company will match the 4,000 rand, for instance. So so they're able to do all these things. And at the end of the day, they can pull a report and they can share it on social media. A great example of what we did two years ago is we partnered with ShopRite Checkers to host Africa's biggest cleanup. And so through this is, firstly, we sent out a media release, basically, to all the staff and to their supply chains and encouraged everyone or anyone that wanted to to host their own cleanup. And then off that, then we invited people to join these cleanups. I think, the, I think we had 518 cleanups across 12 African countries. And we received feedback from, I think, 30,000 volunteers, all happening in one day. And so this is the power of technology and doing good deeds. And, and off that, if I'm not mistaken, I don't want uh, to lie about this, but I know that they, they increased their social media uh, marketing organic. Marketing, by I think like four hundred percent or something over that period, just wow. through their staff and people taking part in community-based good deeds. So, so this was this is kind of what this technology allows. Is it allows everything to be measurable to a point, and and to build community and hold accountability, and and just have this watchful eye over over people just like contributing in like a meaningful, measurable way. I think
0: it's absolutely fantastic. We, we, we're sort of coming up towards the end of the show now. So when we come back, we'll be wrapping it up. This is What's Involved. Good to have you along with us. My special guest is Blake Dyson. We'll be back in just a bit. And we're back. What's Involved it is my guest is Blake Dyson. Wrapping it up, as I said, Blake, so, so brownie points, the, the, you don't get actual points in it. The brownie points, are. It, it's symbolic of you uh, sort of giving yourself a pat on the back and feeling good for making a difference. 100. Well, so when we started, we actually had like this
1: whole point system and people could win rewards and that, it didn't quite work out. And so we pivoted in that. So now what happens is companies set their own rewards for their staff. So some companies set time of work, some give monetary, some pay for sick, uh, for medical aid, whatever it is. So if people contribute a certain amount, companies will reward them. On the other side is we have things like recently we had a cleanup and Vida E sponsored coffees for anyone that took part and uploaded a picture. So the rewards are done through collaborative spaces with companies and people and communities with shared interests. I'm off to the States next year, July, where we're looking at these things around gifting economy. And while I'm going with the Mandela Washington Fellowships, I selected um, to join that and working with 20 campuses there in like re-looking at how we how we give access to basic human rights through a gamified platform. And and so hopefully in the near future, Brownie Points could be a virtual currency that people can behave in a certain way, contributing positively to the community while getting access to education and healthcare and food and housing and safety and and, and that's really our ultimate dream is to support some form of a circular circular world of community and and access to what we believe are human rights.
0: You know what, it's so strange because one of the things that I've always said to people about South Africa and Africa in general is this this spirit of kindness and caring that we have. Yes, you know, the world might be going to hell in a handbasket, the government's doing whatever the government does, but essentially we as people are good people, and particularly in South Africa. You know, we we always hear the bad news about uh, everything that's happening, but I've come across so many, so many good stories and where people genuinely do care and they want to give back. And I think what you're saying here, though, because this is what I've heard over this COVID period, is it's all good and well us donating whatever it is that we can donate, but how do we know where it's going to? How do we know what it's being used for? And you answering that question with brownie points because now you can see where your contribution is going to and you can also choose where you would like to help so so I could if I understand correctly I could log on as an individual and go okay where can I help in my area what can I do and 100%. I think that's that's fantastic so now that's exactly it <laughs> God, good if a radio presenter can get it anybody can get it you know normally at this time of, of of our interview as we're wrapping up, I, I would say to my guests, so what's next? But, I mean, I don't know if I should ask of you because it sounds like your, your plate is full. But then again, on the other hand, uh, just getting to know you a little bit, I'm almost guaranteed there is a next for you. So, so for Blake Dice the There
1: definitely is.
0: <laughs> what is. What are the next? Give me some ideas of what we can look forward to. So from my next with Brownie
1: points is I'm very fortunate to be selected as one of the under 35 future leaders for the Mandela Washington Fellowship, um, which has taken me five years to get. And I'll spend six weeks in the States working with 20 different campuses on building on getting support and building a leadership education or they building a leadership education program to help me find the solutions we need to be able to take Brownie points to that next step. And that next step is to understand how we give how we give people access to to those human rights, to healthcare, food, data, e- education, um, and how Brownie points can measure and track this uh and what this currency looks like. So if it's a gift in currency or if it if it's a parallel currency to our capitalist current uh economy, like what is that and, and looking at it. So that's really like the really big next step for me that I'm really excited about. The other thing with, uh, with Love Our Trails really is trying to um, uh, get a white paper published on um, making hiking and environmental education part of our schooling curriculum, um, because I believe it, will, it is the future and it's vital to the success of our future.
0: Fantastic stuff. Uh, black people that are now wanting to wanting to get involved with Brownie Points, what is the web address there for them?
1: So it's browniepoints.africa. Our contact details are on there. Um and they can yeah, please contact us. We'd love to we haven't got all the solutions and we are an amazing young team looking to be challenged and finding new solutions to these these crazy times that we're in and hopefully making a really meaningful difference with collaboration.
0: Wonderful stuff. Well, Blake, from my side, all I can say is I think you guys are doing an amazing job and well done. I wish you all the very, very best. The web address again is browniepoints, one word, browniepoints.africa. My special guest, Blake Dyson, thank you again and uh, all the best. We really wish you well. Thank you so much. There we go. That was my special guest, Blake Dyson. Go check it out, browniepoints.africa. It's a fantastic concept, and uh, you can give back as well. And if you're an MPO, go and check it out. Uh, You could also then post some of your stuff there. This has been What's Involved. Thank you for listening.